lovely listeners and welcome back to Scratching the Surface, where we talk all things real. Hello, hello, and welcome back to this little reintroductory series. This is now part three of three. So you know a lot, lot, lot about my life, my upbringing, my teenage years, my absolute awful traumas have happened and now we're going to deep dive into the very big worst one of them all (laughs) but I'm still smiling I'm still able to laugh and I'm still able to see the bright side of everything in life so I hope that you don't get too triggered or too emotional listening. I've absolutely loved recording this series with John so much so that I think we're going to actually do a few more episodes together on things that are close to both of our hearts so watch this space for that. In the meantime what you can expect from this episode is me doing a deep dive into my cancer journey, the ups and downs of it all. It might be really helpful for people that are going through this. If you have family members that are going through this for you to understand. Maybe if you have friends or family that have been through this and you don't really know how to be around them or what to say, this might really help you to understand what they went through. But of course, everybody is so, so different and that's okay. This is just my story, just my journey. It's not all doom and gloom though, don't worry. Uh, We end off by telling my aspirations, my hopes, my dreams for the future and yeah, I hope that you enjoy and please, please do feel free to get in touch on my Instagram. It's life behind the rainbow. I would absolutely love to hear your feedback. So before we get into your diagnosis, your, your diagnosis finally after so long, Um, Just to remind people listening, so it was 2015 when you had experienced your very first symptom. Then Mm -hmm. you had moved to Canada in what year? I went out there in 2019. 2019, and it was the beginning of 2020 when you went back home that March. Yeah, in March. And so remember, that was like literally, I was one of the last people to get in for an MRI even me going in for the MRI, I ended up having to, you know, the whole PPE kind of thing was starting and COVID was like, is it coming? Is it here? What's happening? So about a day or two later, they stopped all like MRIs that had, you know, that were scheduled like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only people that were already sick or had been rushed into hospital that were getting them. I was so lucky. Like it's just see time and all the things that ended up happening in my life. I just, the only word I can say is serendipity. Like, how the hell am I so blessed and lucky that this all happened? Yeah, timing-wise, it it definitely couldn't have gone better in terms of being able to get back and being able to get checked. Uh, Just over the period then from the point where you decided to move to Canada and Vancouver, and as you said, you'd met Stephen, um, along the kind of timeline of uh, symptoms, had they... Uh, progressed in any way Um, had they kind of stabilized did you feel or uh, what made you uh, get checked at that time Mm, I my headaches that's when they were at their worst Um, see again like I'm I'm thinking about the whole masking thing you probably didn't even know that I probably would never have even said that to like you and James Mm -hmm. and all like I was coming home from work I worked eight o'clock to four o'clock and then I would zoom home be home by like half four and I'd have to go straight into my room and lie in the dark for a bit and just like allow myself to like close my eyes in the complete dark so these migraines were really 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 bad but obviously I was living away and I absolutely loved Vancouver I loved my life there I loved all the people I had met and was meeting I loved the social life I loved skiing I loved the hiking I just loved it all so I wasn't letting these symptoms like affect my daily life or anything but I was having to like I say just eat paracetamol I was having to go in and lie in the dark for maybe 45 minutes or so before I could 
like even think about going and then getting ready and showered to like head out again and do anything for the evening um yeah and it was just starting to get a bit more and more and more but I wouldn't say to the point that I thought it was anything really major like that I genuinely like I learned to bloody snowboard that that winter like I just it's crazy I just oh even thinking back to it it's just like oh my goodness how was I doing that with that brain tumor like growing really aggressively so again for those listeners who might be completely new to your podcast um what exactly is your diagnosis yeah so I have glioblastoma multiform it's called which means that the tumor so it multiform well the only way I can describe it and what I kind of visualize is rather than it being a wee round tumor like you can see on the scan it actually means it has kind of legs off it um so it's kind of kind of does go through your brain a little bit more which makes it much harder to get all of it out and makes it much more obviously dangerous because it can go through different neurons and different pathways in your brain I was so lucky that it's on the side it is because that kind of affects yeah my movement and I still like I'm actually you can't see me but I'm like crunching up my hand the hand that was my first symptom at the minute is really giving me bother I'm actually it's three years on now and I'm having to go and get a splint made um and I it's it's just really numb and cold and it just feels like it's getting really worse again so I go for scans every six months um I had been away on like a big trip there so we're hoping that it's maybe just because of all the traveling and I'm a bit like tired or my body's tired but really like they're a bit more concerned about it because it's kind of just come on fast while I was away you know I was making up in the night with my my fingers just crushing into my my hand um like it's really it's going to start like if I if that's the hand that I write with if I wasn't keeping that going and doing my own kind of home physio just with literally using it I think it would be completely gone it just would be like curled in and, and hard stuck there do you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um to take it back then just to the point of you were back home, you were going back home for a visit, you got checked out. Uh, how long did it take between the point of being checked out to them uh, calling you in and giving you your diagnosis? How how long was that? Oh, I had my MRI on, a, on the 23rd of March. I got a phone call on the, I was meant to fly out on... I think it was the 26th I had a I rebooked a new flight um because my one got cancelled and then I rebooked another one freaking 600 pounds that I never got back um on top of the other one that I'd already lost but yeah Air Canada were just telling me look don't bother coming to the airport you're not going to get on um unless you have blah 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 whatever so I was back and forward trying to get my work to um in Canada I was like my whole life was there my car my my clothes my stuff my my boyfriend my new love of my life everything was there I was like I need to get back there like um but yeah I missed that flight at 10 a.m and I was like oh, I'll just rebook it like next week or whatever and literally at like half 12 that day got a phone call from my neurologist saying look we've just come out of a big board meeting at like a load of brain uh specialists all around the table just about you Tara you actually have a tumor it's not MS and it's really bad and you're going to have to do some treatment like obviously she knew it was going to be such a big shock that she didn't want to go into loads of detail she just said you're going to have to do a wee bit of treatment now um maybe some radiotherapy and everything but that's for the oncologist to decide so I'm going to be kind of passing you on there and I'm like oncology like what like huh? like you know why like what do you mean kind of thing but I was just so shocked I remember going down into mom and dad and saying oh and I kind of was giggling like not you know like a nervous laugh like I was like so it's not MS that's good isn't it um it's actually a brain tumor but I guess they're just gonna like try and cut out with surgery and then I just have to do some treatment so yeah like I think it's good like I was like really 
thought this was like a better a better diagnosis at the start so at that point they had told you something was up they told you there was a tumor had they given you the name had they said glioblastoma no no no, okay. no. you can't know that until you get the tumor taken out and then it goes off to london to get tested for the exact type okay okay so um i guess you said your reaction initially was kind of tell your family and you were almost kind of giggling with um probably a nervous giggle um what happened then in in the kind of moments hours days after that how did how did you feel when it kind of sank in a bit more oof I remember I started like video calling around my friends um to let them know and they were all just like an absolute shock and I suppose my especially friends that worked in as nurses or you know in medical like they just could not believe it and especially I have one friend she was on my podcast there Monica and she works in neurology so she just was like praying and praying that it wouldn't be what it was um yeah it was so crazy and I I think looking back at that point is when I again the whole you know I'd talked about before anger at like things I started getting like well, not at that very point, because I was still, I was so motivated and I was like, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Why are you all freaking out? Like, wise up? Like, it's like, come on, kind of a thing, really that kind of an attitude, but getting into, getting into the, oh, cause of COVID, everything was just worse. Remember I had Stephen was stuck over in Canada. He ended up flying home and like we were very new so he had to talk with his family kind of discuss is this the right thing are we definitely gonna give it a go ever and then Stephen's so good for that he's just he's so like chilled and he's like you know what may as well give it a go with anything and everything and he's like that in everything that we do um so he flew home was he yeah he was home in time for my surgery but I had to go for a second scan before he even got home and like it had already grown more um so they were like they pushed my surgery forward even even sooner um I think yeah they they were like panicking themselves like I was only 28 like it wasn't normal like this is not normal for people of my age to have this tumor usually be people in like their 60s and 70s or so before that but there's more and more and more people now um yeah so I remember having to get dropped into surgery Stephen wasn't allowed to come in in the doors like all like COVID and everything so I had to go on in by myself and like nobody was allowed to come in and visit or anything and oh it was just like a complete big blur it was just the biggest roller coaster like I think anybody could possibly go on really but for sure um and then obviously you had the surgery and how long was the surgery um I think they had told mum that it was about six and a half hours because there wasn't really any complications it was all really good um what they have to do is they call it debulking so they they open your brain they open your like your, so literally my whole half of my head got shaved away um, I have a big dent at the side of my head and then they, the big knife like was down right to the very back. You can see the big scar to the very back of my head, like kind of where your biggest nerve kind of is, um, very bottom of my skull. And then they take it, like what they described to me was it's like a jigsaw piece and they take it out, set it really carefully onto the trolley. I'm laughing again, that nervous laugh. And they they keep it there and then they just put it right back in place like a jigsaw bloody piece, like, ah. Um, and then, yeah, they go down in through and take out the as much of the tumour as they can, but they were only able to take 90% out by surgery. Otherwise, like that was getting down too close down into the part that would have really affected my um, intellectual kind of skills and stuff and like even my speech and everything, which at the start was really affected. I had to oh at the start I couldn't do anything I was like a, a tiny brand new baby having to learn every single thing like it, you know the, the the rehab and whatever in the hospital um but I was a quick learner and I got out like three days after um which I don't think is really normal <laughs> but I was so determined 
so yeah oh my god waking up from surgery with the catheter in loads of tubes coming out of your arms and um a big freaking drip coming out of your brain oh like oh god the thought of it and I'm so squeamish like I can't cope oh god I guess a question that just has popped into my mind is that um were you given any talk before the surgery about any risks that would be involved with doing the surgery oh yeah absolutely um they had told me like you know we we kind of we have to do it because this tumor if you don't go through with this and the treatment like you you probably have three months to live um which other people that I know have refused and they did they they died within three months um and then I was told if I do the surgery and the treatment after I have a a likelihood of surviving 14 to 16 months but they also said look there's a few people they are younger so we have to think about that like the age difference that they were in their 30s and they, there was a fella who at that point was living three years on so that was like already gave us a little bit of hope but mm-hmm. honestly like see even going in and saying yeah obviously I had to go through the surgery then they were wanting me I think I went to the surgery I only met the surgeon before and I hadn't even met my oncology team because it all has to go in a sequence so it wasn't cancer just yet remember like they didn't mm-hmm. know if it was well, they did know from what they could see. They seen like a little speck of what they would know is it is malignant rather than a benign tumor, but which was the part that was growing. But they just didn't know probably like exactly that it was GBM, the glioblastoma, um, until after. And then that's when I get assigned Dr. Harney, who is going to be for life my cancer doctor. I guess. When you found out that you had a tumor and that you're going in for surgery, I guess, I suppose my reaction might be to pull out the phone and Google everything possible. Did you allow yourself to explore information by yourself or were you happy to just take the word of the consultants and doctors and kind of move on your very individual journey? Um, I definitely listened to the doctors as in they told me that was the only option they said it's called it was it is called the gold star treatment for like brain cancer um originated in America and it's the only it's the only option um unless you want to go you know maybe to eastern Europe and try different things or whatever but I was happy enough to go along with what like trusted them and believed them and whatever and Stephen he's like he's a scientist anyway so he ordered a million no okay not a million but he ordered about eight anti-cancer books and he did a lot of research um so he was kind of looking into all that on the sciencey side and whatever but I yes I did before he even got home before the surgery and everything I was like reading up about brain tumors because I had just met Stephen and I was like so gutted to think like I might not be the same person that I was and maybe maybe then our relationship couldn't go on so yes I was I was looking up these things and like screenshotting and sending them to him and like he was still in Canada and I was at home and I was just like oh my goodness like seriously like you don't have to do any of this and whatever and oh he's just amazing like he just took it all in a stride but um Oh, the, the worst of it was then when we went in to get the results of the type of tumor and like we had about three pages of notes of questions and stuff um just about the treatment and what all we could expect and then I had questions about when can I travel when can I go away again when can I drive when can all this stuff and um whenever we found out that it was glioblastoma like Stephen he had he hadn't told me what he had found he knew the different stages and he just was like praying 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 apparently like secretly that it was stage one or two but he knew that it was four he in his mind he was losing me like I was gonna die in a few months or whatever so I remember and I'll never forget it he just dropped dropped the notepad like with our notes in it and just 
just start oh like I've never seen him and I will never see him like that again like it was yeah yeah it was just bad it was bad like but again I was in shock mode and I was in survival mode and I was like Stephen I was mortified for I was like oh my goodness and picked up the, the book and was like sorry about him and like my surgeon was being so patient and so lovely and just like okay this girl obviously doesn't get it and you know there was me like when can I drive when can I go on holiday when can I fly like what the hell is wrong with me <laughs> when and I think this is a question that I hate asking but I guess when was the moment you kind of realized oh hey this is this is extremely serious um honestly probably not until I started getting so sick on the treatment because I was just trying to take all that in my stride like I you would not believe like I getting jabs at school getting you know all those jabs to, for me to travel getting injections getting blood taken was honestly the worst like I mean I was on the floor I was <laughs> I, I was fainting I was sick I was it was awful so then the thought of me having to go through all this and that I did just go on through it and whatever I I started getting really angry again <laughs> I started getting really angry and really like what is what is it like why 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 is all these things having to happen to me in my life why is all this like going on and there was a point for sure um so I'd already been through it's not actually IVF because it wasn't that we were creating a baby at that point it was um just the egg uh I can't, I can't remember the name of it uh, embryo embryo whatever you call it sorry um, I went through that which I had to fight for the doctors were like no like you can't you need to keep your strength you need to be strong enough to go through the treatment like we can't allow this and it was I had to go and speak in a wee office to my oncologist um, and she was like I actually was getting you in here today to tell you no it's not allowed but when I see you when I hear you when I see how you are with your partner here let's do it okay well but you just have to do it quick like we don't have the time like this you we really are on short time so I had three weeks where you're supposed to have at least a month just for your cycles and stuff but um mm -hmm. started me off quick and whatever and and then it was all really rushed and I ended up getting like four wee healthy eggs so they're in Belfast right now for me um, amazing I actually didn't know that so that's incredible well, well oh, done really? to you for for fighting for that yeah I really I was like I'm not doing it otherwise and then yeah then you'll not know this so I then got referred to the she would be I suppose the IVF doctor and because it was COVID which was a, a kind of a blessing we got straight in because IVF was stopped for families like awful awful for them but because of COVID um we got straight in and she told us to go out and go for a coffee and really think about it because actually it was a real big strain on my body and was there any point with my prognosis which just made me even more like are you fucking joking I am definitely doing it now you bitch <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible I that must have taken so much mental strength never mind physical strength because you're already dealing with something that's so incredibly difficult um, that you're able to have the wherewithal to to kind of say, hey, I I want to take this and grasp my future and I, I want to do this. So well done. That's incredible. Um, so to take it back a little bit to your uh, course of treatment, um, you said that you were very sick. Um, how long did that go on for? And I guess with the people around you at the time helping you out, in what ways did they have to kind of change the way they were living to to give you the best uh, chance of, of fighting it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was so blessed that way. Like even that Stephen had come home and he was there with me the whole way through it. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm not being dramatic when I say it. I, I wouldn't. I would not be here. There's no way in hell I'd be here without him. Um, he was just so he was just like such a big strength. He was just such a pillar. He was just, I could just lean on him the whole way through. 
I mean, I've got myself a wee toy boy. He's younger than me, but he was unbelievable. Like so mature, so grounded, just kept me grounded. Um, and everybody and anybody was just pulling out the stops. Like my neighbours, they're actually from London and they had this brand new house that wasn't even fully, fully done or anything, but they let us move in there. As soon as I um, got out of the surgery, I had friends that let us stay in their house for oh well a friend's um grandparents they they let us stay in their house for the full six weeks of the radiotherapy because you have to go every single day into the hospital it ended up being like seven weeks for me because there was a few bank holidays and stuff so it was over seven weeks um so like that support I had friends that while I was on the IVF thing like they let us stay in their house. They were staying with their parents because it was COVID so I could stay in their house in Belfast. And then we had this lovely luxury house, Lamb Cottage it's called, which is just up the lane from my um, family home. So that was amazing. Um, brand, brand new, like fresh, like clean walls and toilets and showers and, you know, like the big, big bath. Oh my goodness, honestly, like the simple things that actually I think has got me to where I am now that maybe other people in my position don't have. And obviously if they already had kids and stuff, like they have to just keep going and being a mummy and whatever. Um, the girl that was in the cross bed from me in the hospital at the time, she got diagnosed with a grade three tumor where mine was grade four. And she actually passed away about a year and three months after um we were in the hospital together so that was really 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 hard for me to cope with and just deal with it was weeks before I could face the world again but um yeah the radiotherapy was actually the worst which I did not go in I didn't look into it I didn't read up on it I didn't talk to anybody that had it I didn't really know anything about it um and I suppose there was probably even no point because people that have had it to maybe to the because I've spoke to people now um since but people that have had it to the breast or whatever said it wasn't that bad it was just felt like a warm heat it was actually like you know it wasn't a, a horrible feeling it was like warming and like okay but for me it was to the brain so oh like my scalp my whole skin was off on that side and was just peeled off and it was like big sore like the whole half side of my head so I had to keep putting bandages and like wee pads on it like every day like a few times a day and like wrapping bandages up around my head and stuff and I, I thought the chemo was going to be the worst because I'm quite a nauseous sick kind of person anyway with traveling and everything but the chemo was that was just like an, an add-on rotten thing after the horrible radiotherapy um for the radiotherapy I had to be on steroids which made me crazy I couldn't sleep I literally couldn't sleep I was like walking about like a robot so I took myself off them I didn't even stay on them like they said you had to go down 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 the dose until it was not 0.5 and on to, until you know it was okay to go. I just took them off I, t I took myself off them which yeah in the in the long run was the best thing for me to do because I was not able to sleep and I was losing my mind you know whenever you can't sleep and you end up like actually like seeing things or whatever it was awful mm. um, and then yeah chemotherapy I thought right here's the final stretch stretch now it's just six months of that but I kept getting really sick really um oh like lots of throat infections um I was vomiting I couldn't eat anything got so skinny so thank god for the steroids to start with because they just you cannot stop eating like <laughs> so many times Stephen would come into the kitchen and I'd be scoffing I mean scoffing like like shoving things in my face I was like I can't stop I'm so hungry these steroids I can't stop it so I actually put on like maybe two stone thank goodness because then whenever I was um on the chemo I lost like at least four stone you know um yeah oh and um and poor Stephen he had read all these anti-cancer books so he was like making me homemade from scratch like veggie burgers vegan food um all these like fried rice dishes that he had never never cooked anything that wasn't just shoved into the oven before that and then I was going in and I would walk into the kitchen and I would start <laughs> being sick on, being sick onto the floor and he's like 
Tara, like you need to eat it. I'm like, no, and I cry and then like run him back to the bedroom. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny that it's it's funny in the sense that you can have a giggle about kind of how ludicrous it is in terms <laughs> of your your regular life beforehand. Um, but I guess when you were going through that, it must have been so difficult mentally for a person who might be out there and listening and might have to go through the same journey as you. Um, the day to day with your treatment, like what what would you say to that person? What would make it better? Well, that's when I started to learn that I had to be just grateful in the moment. Like literally, um, it was actually a, my reflexologist that told me about that. I went to her just simply for nausea. That was back in the in the. So I started the chemo, um, I think August, start of August. And it was in the September, sorry, the start of September that I went to Jenny for the first time. And I still go to her now. Um, and she had told me about energy and, you know, we can actually pull that up out of the earth and um, like nausea, we can actually like allow that energy to kind of go around our body and and blah, blah, blah. And at that time I thought, yeah, right, Jenny, what the hell are you on? Like, like yeah right but something must have sparked in me and on that table I just cried and cried and cried and I definitely got all that anger that anger do you know what I also learned and I used to tell this to my wee kids then um in when I was a youth worker that anger is if like it's not actually an emotion like anger is only a secondary emotion from something else so whether you're sad whether you know you're you've been hurt like somebody's actually hurt you or just whatever so it's a secondary emotion and so I think on that table with her I realized it's okay to release it's okay to let it all out it's okay to yes feel angry but to know that it's coming from a some from somewhere else like it's it's that you didn't deserve this and that it's okay to like really oh like get angry and then release it like you have to release that shit like you have to so I the way that I did was I mean Stephen used to do it together in bed then every night was right three things we're grateful for and honestly John like there was so many times that we were like um um like there's nothing that today was so horrible and so bad and especially those days when I didn't want to eat his food and stuff and then he'd be like you know getting a bit annoyed at me I'm like oh you have to and like please and like and I'd be like leave me alone and uh you know it was just awful like we it really struggled but then there was always something of course there was even that you were still there that we were like in this cozy bed or like all oh, that nice um sunshine or layer or oh seeing that rainbow or whatever and you know like I, in case like nobody knows that that's why my little page is life behind the rainbow because that's when I actually started to like heal that's when I started to open up like my real self and that's when I started to become the real me was when I went through that awful, most grueling time of my life, going to treatment, I used to see rainbows in the sky every day. And I was just like, wow, like, like this isn't possible. Like, I never seen a rainbow every single day of my life. And here we are because I'm going through this, like, whoa. So yeah, that's, um, it was just like keeping hope the whole time. And I, and I would visualize, and I still do, I still have to do this. Um, like, honestly, the odds are that, 25% of people live for one year with my diagnosis and then 15% live for two years and they don't even have a statistic for anybody that lives after two years because it's not common so they can't even give a figure on it Um, so here I am three years ah, three years and so I just have to keep living with that level of gratitude with hope I every single day visualize like my future I visualize me having these little kitties I visualize me and Stephen like having our own wee place and our own wee garden and kind of like living off the land, like growing our own organic beige and, you know, all those good things that we learned about in the anti-cancer books that like has now just completely changed my world, like flipped it upside down, but for the better, like John, I don't know. I don't know if I, if you would have noticed because I only got seeing you for that one, that one day or whatever when I was back over in Canada, but I am just oh like I'm just so much more chilled life is I'm just blessed I just I notice 
I notice things now. I notice and I care about things now that I wouldn't have before. I, I did notice. Um, there was definitely a different energy about you than the time you had left because we didn't have that chance to say goodbye because you were supposed to be coming back. I remember I was discussing actually, uh, I was doing swimming lessons at the time and I think we were talking about maybe uh, going for swimming lessons. I think that was the last time I had spoken to you before you had traveled back over. Um, but yeah, definitely the last time you came back, there was a, a different energy about you. Um, and I guess, I suppose what I would want to know if I was listening is how do you keep that optimism? How do you keep yourself from falling into that pitfall of, oh, this is awful, terrible and all the things that could happen? Mm. Oh, here, it's not easy. And I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, oh, yeah, it's all rainbows and and, you know, light and I'm happy, happy all the time because that would just be a big fat lie. Um, I have to every single day, like when I even wake up, be like, oh my goodness, like how do I feel today? And I know now it's taken me a long time to just ingrain it. And, you know, it, apparently it takes like what, 20 or 30 days or something to ingrain a new habit or whatever. But I would say it was even maybe a bit longer. I, every single day, all throughout the whole day, I'm doing wee body scans. I'm like, what's like, you know, it started with me, like actually going, okay, head, chest, uh, tummy, legs, feet, how am I feeling? Like what feels like balance? What feels okay? Oh, where am I sore? Whatever. Um, And that's something that I like learned to do. And I just now do it all, all day, every day. And if there's something, so if it's a wee, like ping of a sore head if it's um my tummy if it's you know my throat getting scratchy my first go-to is my wee essential oils so um some of you might know some of you might not know I ended up getting obsessed (laughs) with essential oils and natural holistic healing alongside the treatment um again just for the nausea and stuff and I already had pumped so much stuff into me like well the doctors have pumped a load of stuff into me and I was on those steroids and all for so long and um I was even on the pain meds for so long because it's literally the can you imagine the pain of getting your skull put back on oh my days mm-hmm. like it was so sore for like actually the pain is only kind of subsiding now like three years on I would say probably the last yeah about the last six months it's been manageable more manageable but yeah essential oils um the doTERRA brand because they're the only like natural ones I can take like internally and stuff um I take them every single day start off my day with my hot water and lemon um the frankincense is the one that I was always using because it's like actually quite um specific for your nervous system and then therefore your brain and whatever peppermint like things like that for the nausea so using my essential oils and stretching out like I'm saying about you know when I have my wee pains I'll actually up and do wee stretches or I'll I'll do a bit of like yoga or whatever um sleep I used to not sleep and I think that was probably part of the whole thing and maybe that was why you know that was probably what made made it start growing aggressively or whatever as well I don't know and I wasn't able to sleep because of all the different stresses or whatever but um I've, I've learned that sleep is so important like just for your recovery for for healing just for like your body in general like I would say that's probably at the very top um for recovery and then yeah food I was really strict while on the treatment I was completely vegan completely um anal about zero sugar just because that's like um what feeds cancer um but now I take a bit more of like a relaxed approach to that because I feel like if you're stressing your body spending cortisol through your body by not eating what you want and not just enjoying like the nice things that you you know you deserve after bloody what you've been through like you deserve it I you know I just if I want to have a dessert I'll have it if I want to um eat a takeaway I will and like that's now how I how I'm I think how I'm getting through and the main one that I do um I do think has helped as well which maybe some people like they're just they're just not into it or whatever is getting out in nature is connecting connect like that rainbow is what 
kept my hope up during the treatment so it's the nature that keeps me going now getting out with my dog like literally me and Luna going for a walk up through that forest and almost like imagining the trees have like their own imagination and they have their own little families and lives and whatever is going on you know like like that's that's what it is that's that is that's the key I think have you changed in terms of your beliefs after the journey you've been through and you and you continue to be on um does spirituality or religion mean anything different to you now in 2023 than it did before um I definitely would say that I um you know my friends have actually got me like this mug that says uh, something like a modern day white witch and stuff. <laughs> I think if I was uh, living back in that era of the witch hunts, I definitely would have been burned at the stake, um, which obviously wasn't me before. I Yes, I did just go to yoga because I thought it was the best way of toning up quickly and it worked really well for me. And I was quite flexible, like even as a child and whatever. So I only went for, for the, yeah, for like that side of it, the fitness side, but now... I understand it in a more deep, deeper level. Um, I know how important it is to like to listen to your body. Like I said before, I like I go for regular holistic ther- therapeutic things, and and I feel like my my spirituality, my spiritual health, is as not as not probably as as good as it could be. It probably needs a bit more like kind of pruning and a few more maybe negative like beliefs from before need to be taken out and whatever but yeah everything's completely changed and I'm not saying that I'm not religious per se because I appreciate the background and I appreciate what has happened and what has gone before me you know and I appreciate the way I grew up in schooling and all and you know it kind of kept me on the right track so yeah it's just I have a bit of a hard time trusting in like the actual church or whatever anymore so I prefer to think of mother earth as my kind of god or goddess really <laughs> I love it I love it I guess this brings us nicely on to um the platform that we're currently speaking on which is uh your podcast and scratching the surface um I think it's an incredible showing of strength of how you can be so candid and open about your own journey and your willingness to have people on that have gone through other journeys that you can learn from and then ultimately your listeners learn from. Uh, When did Scratching the Surface um, get conceived? Hmm. Uh, I think it was just after, yeah, it was. I was thinking about it at the end of my treatment, which I said went on a bit longer than it was meant to just because I kept getting infections and stuff. But you know what? The interesting thing with that is... um, I was obviously just listening to my doctors and taking the antibiotics and things every time. So that was every month. And then actually when I found the doTERRA oils and I started taking them like fully, like they were diffusing in my living room and in the bedroom. They were in my bath every day with Epsom salts. They were on my body, in my body. I stopped needing, I stopped getting that. Like I never needed to get antibiotics again I didn't get that sickness anymore like it was crazy um that was a bit of a a a side a sidetrack there but because of all this I was like what like people need to know this what how does like why does everybody not know this like why why was school why in school were we not told about aromatherapy and about you know ancient medicines and whatever like why I get it I know because of the pharmaceutical companies and all the greedy people in this world don't want us to know so that's why but I feel like I'm on a mission now to make it mainstream like why not why the hell not listen to your own body and try and heal your own body before needing to go to those extreme you know them well these toxic things really like I now see just even normal things like paracetamol and all not necessarily toxic to your body but they are toxic to the environment they where do you think that they go we end up going to the toilet and they go down into the sewage and then that's out into the sea really so that do you know what I mean like and there's there's Mm -hmm. evidence to show that that's in the fish now and stuff like that so you know the the conception behind it was the essential oils and alternative treatment which is fantastic because 
I'm a firm believer that if you believe in something that works for you, you should absolutely go for it, no matter what it is, as long as it doesn't impact anybody in a negative way, of course. Yeah. Um, but I guess I see such braveness in how you put your story out there. I think I counted actually before we started this. I don't even know if you know this, but you've got 41 episodes of your mm -hmm. podcast out. 41? 41 you have, yeah. <laughs> Unless I counted wrong, but I counted Love 41. And during all of those episodes, you sprinkled so much of your story in, but you allow others to share their story. Mm -hmm. What made you kind of think, you know what, I need to get other people's stories out there? Because, for example, you know, you interviewed me. I don't see anything particularly fantastic about myself. But what what do you see in the others that you've interviewed that makes you go, I want their story out there for everybody to hear? Yeah, well, if you even remember way back to the very, very, very first one, I suppose it was. Yes, I was talking jabbering on about myself and the story, like my story a wee bit, but and what happened. But I even had like my different friends and people to come on because I, I think I just that's who I am. Like like going right back to my childhood, I am a very I always think about other people and I'm I'm very curious about the world and especially about like you know humanity and how we kind of how everybody ticks and how other people how they're feeling and what's going on for them and oh my goodness how did you end up getting into this and whatever so obviously what I feel helped me the most and what cured me because real like let's be real here the people I've there's I can't even count on two hands now the amount of people that I have walked on this journey with that are now gone they've they've died they've passed away and they were definitely not doing the holistic alongside the medical like I am they definitely were not obsessed with essential oils or obsessed with okay when I'm starting to get a bit of a creak I need to go and see Claire my my um mass my masseuse you know that's the difference I think so I had to get that out there like and it started off with just having um the people that did help me with that so my essential oils and my therapist and then I was like I I want because the whole the modern world these days is it cares about celebrities and people with 2000 followers or two yeah 2 million sorry 2 million followers and you know oh we have to look like this and we have to do this to our bodies and ourselves to like be okay and accepted where I'm like I call bullshit on all of that if you see me I actually don't get anything done to my face or lips or anything like this which you know a lot of my friends do and yes good for them and they they look beautiful and whatever but I just feel like that's not the way that it was meant to be I really believe that and I just think everybody needs to whatever makes them passionate whatever makes them feel alive whatever makes them tick like go for it so that's why I love getting people on to talk about their stories because I want to know what's making them tick what's making them do that thing that I've got them on to talk about where did they get that confidence or actually you know I had another fellow on like he talked really openly about his depression he he talked openly about that on his social media so he's given strength out to other people do you know so yeah that was why and that's why I continue to do it and I can't wait to get back to it and I have taken obviously a few months off um I was kind of thinking it's going to take a new turn and it is it's actually exciting I'm gonna be doing a few wee um short series is now you know like maybe four episodes or so with the same person on like little tidbits rather than I you know what I'm like I like my very long long chats so I think people um will appreciate that a bit better if it's wee shorter ones for for a while at least that's amazing and I guess then you've touched on parts of this already but what what are your hopes and aspirations going forward Mm, my goodness like if you knew what it was like what I'm like at the minute or what I'm you know up to in my spare time I well I don't I feel like I don't even get spare time because I'm just constantly like in, in inverted commas working um working away um on little projects and ideas and things like yeah for the podcast like I say I've, I've got a psychologist friend coming on we're going to do it's already in the planning and it's going to be recorded I think next week 
because he's off for Easter. Um, we've got four episodes kind of locked in, um, you know, on things that are really relevant right now and for people that are still kind of just in that shock wave and just not coping very well after COVID. Um, so just maybe half hour set, uh, episodes on that for five, four or five episodes. I'm going to get Julie back on the historian and we're going to talk a bit more about a few things to do with mental health and maybe to do with um, all these holistic things, but about history. So what we're all derived from and hopefully trying to get back to our ancestors and the way they used to live, because I just love that. And I feel like I'm coming, becoming more and more and more like into that and wanting to live the way that they did I think that we all maybe are going to need to in the near future with the way that climate is going so um yeah I think it's quite I'm just interested in it so I want to do that and hopefully I can get somebody that's willing or has enough time to come on to do a wee series on like the climate and talk all about that um it's definitely like a big passion of mine at the minute and it's nearly making me I'm at a bit of a crossroads like I, I know that I love working with people and I know I love talking and getting their stories and I love especially working with children oh my goodness I just love working with kids and their ideas and their thoughts on the world and stuff but um I'm thinking I might need to go down a different pathway um with that and incorporate my love for nature and my love for you know even like incorporate all the artsy things that I used to love um I'm just I'm just thinking about that at the minute so yeah, I've even got I've got ideas for a little book I've got coming out. Um, coming out, well, coming out of my brain, really, and it's scribbling down, and I'm drawing characters, and that will be all kind of linked with the climate crisis, and maybe hopefully bringing a bit of awareness, like what we can do right here and now, like at home. It's not just about the polar bears out in you know the Antarctic. Like it's it's here at home, you know. So like lots and lots and lots of things that I'm hoping to get done, but also Dawn, I'm just, I feel like I'm just ready to be a bit more settled. I'm, I'm so ready to just chill the hell out and not be a party, party animal like I was in my twenties. I just want to have a quiet life and enjoy myself. Me and Stephen have lovely trips and just a bit more shorter travels and yeah start a family really like that's I'm I don't want much I really don't I really really don't I love to hear that I can completely resonate with uh wanting to have a more chilled life I think the 30s does that too as whether we like it or not um but I am you know I'm one of your biggest fans of your podcast you know that I I think I've told you that before so I just can't wait to see what you do because you always bring such spirit and determination and passion to it so um Everybody hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Follow this podcast because I can't wait to see what comes next for you. Um, And I guess that brings us towards the end, Tara. Um, We could go on for more, another few hours. I know we could because we're like that. (laughs) But I did want to ask you two things. And the first one is, if you could go back in time and have a chat with your younger self, at what point in time would you choose and what would the advice be? Yeah, I definitely, I think about this a lot because I I think about that little inner child inside me and, you know, we all have it, whether you know it or not or whether you believe it or not, that little inner child is actually what is causing whatever is coming up for you right now. It's causing the little picky bits of your relationships with your family, with your, your, your partner, with your friends, like it literally is. So it's important to like honor that and just, and, and kind of I would love to go, go back to her and just say it's gonna be okay you know I'd love to go back and give her a hug and just take her with me and be like don't worry like we're gonna we are gonna get back into nature we are gonna get back into like artsy things and we are gonna start realizing what's important you know like really really I I don't even remember when it was but I think as soon as I was like hit secondary school I stopped all them things I really loved and actually because now here I am 31 years old and I love I love that that's what brings me peace and that's what brings me back down if I do allow myself to get stressed because we all do um so I definitely I would go back and just say keep keep doing this use this in your spare time don't just like you know but sure here we are at least I've, at least I'm back to it now huh I love that that is perfect that is absolutely perfect um, and then the second thing I did want to ask you as well, which um, 
just always interests me. I'm always a curious person because I, I think sometimes other things can show a lot about our personality other than ourselves. So I wanted you to p- pick a piece of like literature, a storybook, film, poem, artwork, quote, anything, piece of music, anything at all that you might want to share with the listeners that kind of gives an extension of your personality or that resonates and means something to you. Oh, um, well, I actually do have a little quote to end on. I do. Um, I'm trying to think though, if there's like, honestly, right. If we're, I, I could nearly break all that down. Um, I, I would love everybody, everybody to go and check out the energy secret. That was the first book I, whenever I got onto Jenny's, um, reflexology bed and then discovered this, that, you know, like the energy coming up from the earth and whatever, like, I don't know if that was stupid of me and maybe because I wasn't really madsy and science like, I didn't really know. I didn't know that we were just all made up of energy or whatever, you know, um, but the energy secret and I, cause I went to the library like a few days after that and there, I was actually looking for things on holistic therapies and that was what I came across and now I, I have my own copy and I, it's all highlighted through and there's dog ears and stuff. So maybe a book, that's the book. Um, a movie that just oh, like w- makes me well up. It just, oh, it'll always get me. And I think it's kind of movies like this that I always like, this is what everybody deserves, including me, even though, you know, I've told you about my struggles and like how I thought about myself, but I always knew surely it must be possible. Is The Notebook. I just love, I just love, I love that I film. love that movie too. I've watched it recently. <laughs> I've watched it yeah, three or four times. Yeah, I don't even know how many times I've seen it, but um. I just, I genuinely want to tell people out there it is possible and like you don't ever have to stop searching for it. I, if I did not find my Stephen, I honestly would be just single and happy on my own because I would not, I will not ever be in a mediocre, abusive, you know, where people speak rude to each other, where people don't allow you to like, flourish and open your wings and be your true self or whatever oh I would not allow it and that movie I think just oh it just depicts it perfectly so that but then so will will I finish will I tell you my wee quote that I I don't know I only came across it literally like two nights ago and I wasn't even gonna definitely put it in here but I wrote it down anyway and yeah we'll just we'll see what you think yeah hopefully I can say this all right because my writing is pretty bad but um So only you will ever know the real you. Everyone else sees a version of you, a version created in their own mind through their filters and using their own experiences and judgments to mold you from. So I think what I would love people to to know just as we're kind of closing up is that you only, you can only ever know like wee snippets of somebody else's story and like, you even only found out there a few things about me and we've been friends for years and we've done a podcast together, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think just don't ever, ever be judging anybody else's journey. And if you can, like, just be kind, just literally be kind. And if you can offer a helping hand or a wee bit of nice advice or kind advice, like just do it. Like it's honestly going to bring you more joy into your day and it's going to open your heart a bit more like that. Like that's all. I 100% agree. And I think it's definitely feel it's all something we should live by 100%. Uh, Tara, I just want to thank you so much for being so honest, open and raw about your journey. I definitely think that most, if not every single person who listened to this podcast will learn something, um, pick something up or, or have a think about the way they live their lives that they might kind of change to to better themselves and those people around them so thank you for allowing me to do this I see this as an honor and a gift oh no thank you like you made it so easy and chilled for me you've been fab so thank you and all I just wanted to say to everybody is uh keep looking for the rainbows (laughs) absolutely thank you thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed the full three episodes on this little series I for sure enjoyed recording it. I actually really, really missed podcasting 
when I took the long break but I'm back to it now I've got lots and lots of ideas I hope you'll come along for the ride this all just was birthed from me seeing rainbows in the sky when I was going up for my treatments up and down the road to Belfast and I really thought I wasn't going to make it I didn't even want to make it at that point I was so unwell literally those rainbows start giving me a little glimmer of hope they started to be the light at the end of my cancer horrible deathly tunnel which gave me so much confidence that now here I am a podcaster I have my own podcast <laughs> it's just crazy if you can take anything away from this it is please 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 don't ever ever hold yourself back just do anything that you want or that you think you might want to try if it doesn't work out that's fine but at least you tried don't forget to follow me on life behind the rainbow for any more little ventures that i i have coming up thank you take care